Welcome to the Association Tech Insider Podcast, presented by the ASAE Technology Professionals Advisory Council, where you get to hear unfiltered conversations about associations and their technology for membership associations by association members. Welcome to today's episode of Association Tech Insider brought to you by the ASAE Technology Professionals Advisory Council, otherwise known as TPAC. I've got two special guests with us today, and I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves. Both are former Tech Council chairs. I'm your host for today. My name is Carlos Cardenas, and I'm privileged to be the chair of the Tech Council this year. In my full-time job, I'm also the Senior Director of IT for a national credentialing organization. Moro, why don't you start us off and uh, introduce yourself? Tell us what you do now and tell us when you serve as the Tech Council Chair. Excellent. Thank you, Carlos, for having me on. My name is Moira Edwards. I'm the president of Ellipsis Partners. We are technology consultants for nonprofits. I had the honor of serving as chair of the Tech Council in 2017, and I really miss it. I still do, but I also have the honor to be involved in AWTC, Association Women Technology Champions, which replaces a small part as a tech council. <laughs> sure. Mr. Tolbert? Oh, the Mr. part. Uh, good afternoon, <laughs> evening, wherever you are all. My name's Todd Tolbert. I am the director of associations and nonprofits for UDIG, which is a technology consulting and services company uh, focused on enabling organizations with modern business solutions. That's the pitch, as it were. I was the tech council chair from 2021 and 2022, but I think um, next to one other person, I may hold like the second place of being on the council the longest from like 2016 to, to the end of 2022 or maybe a little longer than that. But um, I actually was recruited by Moira onto the council and then um, uh, gang pressed into uh, servitude to that council for all those years. So thanks for having me on, Carlos. <laughs> that's great. I mean, if Moira recruited you, you helped recruit me. I mean, that's you know the chain there. Is that tell paying it forward? Is that paying it's paying it forward? It, it's paying it forward. <laughs> so tell us why you served the longest. If we can start out by you know ans- asking that question. Well, it, it was really because of COVID. Um, okay. To be uh, tr- brutally honest, there uh, at the time, uh, Catherine was the Catherine Matthews was the chair when COVID started. And because of how hard that was on both the people and the the, the um, associations, the businesses at the time, um, we didn't get as much done as, as anybody really wanted to. And so we kind of took the next year and said, well, let's reset and let Catherine do that again. So she may have the honor of serving as the council chair two years in a row like nobody else has. So that's why I say number two to her. But yeah, that was it was mainly around uh, COVID and, and kind of a reset for the council and for the work we wanted to accomplish. Thanks, Todd. So, you know, pivoting now and now that you've moved on from leading the tech council, uh, I want to talk about, you know, your roles as a consultant, maybe even as a, an association executive. So first question, Maura, what do you identify as key opportunities for associations and their digital transformations? Digital transformation. So it's, it's obviously a bit of a buzzword, but it sure. it has some real meaning, I think, in particularly in, in a customer focus, a member focus. And we saw that yesterday, a really great guy, Joe Healy from Amazon Web Services was there and talking about how Amazon starts innovation by thinking about the press release they'll issue. And therefore, what is the excitement and what is the impact on the customer or the member? So I'm always thinking about how technology can serve members well. And I actually think one of the easiest things people can do is to rethink their websites. Because in the pandemic, we all assumed that we could access everything digitally. So a website, which used to be just a brochure and then became perhaps a way to access digital assets, but now all of our assets are digital. Now the website is a way to go to everything. I should really be able to experience the full association experience by going to the website and logging in. And I don't think we've all caught up with that new expectation. So I'd love to see associations really thinking about their websites as like a a portal to the entire digital experience. 
that's great, Maura. Todd, what are some low-level things that you know, associations can do in terms of their digital transformation? I would probably continue the conversation that Moira just started. I would maybe, I don't know if it's broadening it out, but it's the user experience, right? It's how our members today experience how associations want them to experience it. And in some cases, in most cases, you want to transition that to how the member wants to experience the association, right? We've spent a lot of time and, and you know, as a chief digital strategy officer or a CIO in, in organizations, I sat on, in, in those meetings and I made those decisions of, well, we're going to do it this way because it's best practice or this is the way we want that to look or feel or see or the colors or whatever with some, but not enough data backing it of how our membership is actually utilizing our technology and our digital offerings or you know enough input directly by them let's put the screen up and show them and say this is what we're thinking what do you believe this should be or how should this flow but i think moira is absolutely correct if if we all think about it from i'm going to go to my you know association.org website and start from there log in and then consume whatever those services or products are that digital strategy has to be around what do I get when I sit right here behind my computer keyboard and, and at least do the things that I can and need to do right here versus and probably supporting what's going to happen next when we're meeting together face to face and I'm doing things with and for the organization. If I can ask a follow up question and either of you can answer this. From your experience, how often do associations say I know what the member wants? versus let's go talk to members and see through their lens. How often do you see organizations say, I know exactly what they want and they do not uh, take into account the member perspective? Well, I would say that we don't ask the question enough. How often? Not enough. I mean, most of the time we ask that question when we're gonna, you know, we take on a project and we put it in the budget and we talk about, we're going to build a new website or we're going to revamp the website. So then we're going to go out and get all the data and the surveys. And that's when we're going to start looking at Google Analytics. And to me, that's really, it's important at that time, but it's important all the time. It's important to understand what they're doing and how they're working with those tools that we are providing or the services we're providing. I, what do you think, Moira? So absolutely, you're right. When there's a project, we collect all the data. And sometimes the data gives us a really good framework, but it doesn't give us all the context. And so I'd love to see us gathering member insights throughout the year, all the time, whether it's at your annual conference and you sit beside somebody and you say to them, so what's on your mind these days? What keeps you up at night? Or site visits, like when I was a staffer at a big association, to get to go on a site visit and see that institution in operation and watch them walk all the way down the hallway to take up a printed piece of paper from the shared printer. You just really got an understanding of the sorts of barriers they faced that we could solve with software. It was eye-opening. And if we think about design thinking, that starts with empathy and defining the problem. So you, it's, it's hard to do, as you said, Todd, just be, when a project's starting you're under a time frame. If we could incorporate that sort of anecdotal and empathetic gathering of member needs throughout the year, we would be much better off. Great. Thank you. I know I think that's interesting. A lot of things that associations, you know, should be considering and it feels like we're perpetuating some of these problems. We never can really get over that hump to solve them. Uh, so I think we're close, right? I think there's some couple things that we can talk about and get together as a community to help us get over that. Not sure if we're going to solve it entirely, but I think we'll get further along. So I, I'd like to ask you to put on your consultant hats. And <laughs> we talked about, you know, things that associations can do in terms of low-hanging fruit. What are some things that associations, and there goes the hat Morris putting on, or the, what's that it, called? It might be a consultant tiara here. Tiara, tiara yeah. Know. What are associations excelling at in this digital transformation? What are they doing well? What can we celebrate that they're doing well? 
I think one of the things we always try and do is bring the fresh set of eyes so that we're breaking you out of the always done it that way mode and the experience of other organizations where they have addressed the same challenge and maybe done it well that you can learn from or done it badly that you can learn from. So I think that's the value in some ways of a consultant. But what do you think, Todd? What are consultants doing well in this arena? Well, I really think that, you know, let's let's take a couple of years step back here, right? First of all, we should all, and we maybe we have, but we should all take that victory lap of we made it through COVID, right? Or a lot of us made it through COVID. There was so much rampant talk about we're not going to be able to make it or we're not going to be able to do this. And, you know, I worked for an association at the time on staff that basically could not do its huge annual meeting, which was a large percentage of their revenue. Just gone. Just in that gone, right? So we did that. And we utilized, I believe, we utilized a lot of technology and a lot of capability that we were kind of sitting on. We didn't really think about it a lot. We just kind of did it. And we all heard the stories of, you know, well, how are we going to do this? Because we all have desktop computers. If you want to even go down to the lowest common denominator, we all have desktop computers. We don't have any laptops to take home. We made it. We can breathe, right? So I think that what we're doing well coming out of that is learning and understanding that technology is not that thing to be scared of. The digital strategy and, and the things that we need to do are not things to be fearful of. They are things that we need to embrace. Can't do it all at once. Nobody has the budget for that. We understand that. We believe that. But I think we're starting to understand that the embracing of our technology champions, we use that term a lot when I was on the council, embracing those technology champions to thinking about, well, what's next? We know we have to do this piecemeal. We know we have to do this over time, but what what should we be doing? And then what's that plan or what's that roadmap? So I think we're we're starting to see that. If I can piggyback on that one second, the one thing that I'm hopeful from that is, is that we'll go from the part of asking the question to taking the action. And that's where, you know, I think maybe we'll talk a little bit more about in this podcast, but let's move on to the doing of stuff, right? But I, I just, before you do that, I, I want to, based on what you said, which was really interesting, I think you're right. I think one of the things that, whether it's Tech Council or ASE has done, is it's really gotten the message out that we need to be better at technology. Even the little tiniest of associations know that they need to be better at integration, they need to be better at data, you know, the use of data for analytics and forecasting. So there's, so even the smallest of associations are really in some ways upping their game. And what's interesting is that, you know, they compare themselves to larger associations to enterprise technology. Many of our smallest associations are much similar, more similar to a mom and pop pizza shop down the road. Two people running something that has great impact, sometimes on a shoestring. And so when we think of them that way, they're not corporations, they're local business. They're doing an amazing job thinking about using marketing automation and AI and predictive analytics. God bless them. Well done. <laughs> In the same vein, you know, not necessarily small staff associations. You know, we, we talk about on the council often, we've done some sessions on this in terms of how do we get rid of isolation, right? And so, you know, departments working on islands and not really talking to each other. I want to talk about Again, from the consultant perspective, what do you see when you come to an organization and they say, hey, I need help? What is the relationship like between that technology leader and maybe that chief executive officer? Is there a lack of trust there? What I see is that a consultant comes in and you have the, the benefit of seeing multiple association pain points and you might be able to offer different solutions. Uh, but I also see that sometimes consultants come in as the hero, right? And so it's like the IT leader says, I've been telling you that for three years, this consultant comes in and you're buying whatever they're selling right away. So again, if you could help me unpack that, you know, what does that look like from your perspective? To tell a very quick story, Moira and I, how we started our relationship and friendship was kind of the opposite of what you just described. 
I had been hearing for several years of my tenure at an association that the AMS had to go. It had to go. Nobody likes it. Nobody uses it. Blah, 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 blah. So after I think it was three years of being on the job there as the head of technology, I'm like, all right, well, I don't trust what you're saying about it. I don't see it that way. You know, we're not in agreement. So where I think Moira did a masterful job as a consultant to this particular organization, and many of our colleagues do, was that middle, you know, didn't have a side in this, didn't have a didn't have a horse in the race, as it were. It was come in, listen all around the organization, take in that input and think about what could the future look like? Whether that future was throw this thing away and get a new one or fix this thing and do something different. And as the buyer, I was, you know, on the other side of that table. As the buyer, I learned a ton about that opportunity for thinking, you know, both sides of it, balancing it out. And I've then taken that on to doing consulting work as as I've moved on in my career and doing the same thing. The answer is not the answer until it, you know, is a conversation, right? It's you, you can't and shouldn't come into those places, into those projects thinking, I'm the expert and I know what's going on and you know what, I'll fix this in no time flat. You certainly also can't just put templates to it, right? And we've seen that in in the association space with some of our consultant uh, projects where somebody might come in and just throw a template. Oh, you need this, 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 and this, and that'll fix that, right? But all of them are different. So the answer to your question though, to me is it's about finding the right partner. I got to tell you the impetus of bringing in a consultant, I don't care what it is, right? From being a consultant, I don't care what it is. If you're a good consulting or a good consulting partner, taking that view of, well, the CEO hired me, so I'm going to take his side or her side, that's not helping the organization at all. It's more about really figuring out what's going on. So there's your uh, entryway, Moira, <laughs> into this great conversation. Much appreciated. Uh and I think you're right, though, that what's the joy of this is coming in and listening broadly. And it's a certain technology therapy, right? And everybody gets to vent to you. And they're like, and it's been like this for a long time. And I'm like, well, if you had a consultant who could articulate this to you at the highest level, what would you want them to say? You know, like you like you get everybody to kind of tell you what's going on and you listen to all of it and then combine that with your knowledge of what goes on outside. And then you can speak with that authority of here's what's happening inside your organization. It's very people focused, but here's what's happening, you know, inside outside the organization, inside the organization is people focused. Outside, this is what's happening in the technology world. And combining that into like one really good vision. Um, Todd loved when I called their AMS a tank, and it just really was <laughs> evocative at the time. So you can really help people see crystallize the issues and see the solutions possible that's actually in some ways the joy of consulting and hopefully i mean sometimes it's a little awkward if the person who's brought you in is the executive director over the it person it's much more lovely when the person who's brought you in is the head of it but either way we can surface the issues of all of the players in this organization and ideally get to a a solution where everybody goes, yes, that would make sense. So it sounds like you're saying a consultant would come in and help facilitate conversations to get to the meat of what's the issue, what's the problem, how can we fix this, get different perspectives. What can IT leaders in that organization who may not have the bank or the budget to be able to hire a consultant to come in and do that, what are some things that those IT leaders can do from your perspective? And maybe have you seen organizations with IT leaders who do exactly that? And you're like, you come in and you say, you guys are doing an awesome job, right? There's mm-hmm. probably nothing for me to do here. I think often what they have is they have somebody who does desk side audits, but they go and they sit with people. And they say, show me how you're using some of the stuff going on. and that one-on-one interaction allows them to vent about the thing that doesn't work. And then they can sit there and go, oh, that's 
either a real honest God problem that we need to fix in the technology or that's a lack of training or you know, whatever it is, they now begin to understand again deeply. We're back to the empathy of understanding the detail, not being stuck up at the strategy and just wondering why everybody's complaining about software that seems to be working pretty well. You get into the details, you understand the nuance. And I feel like those are the IT leaders that have a better pulse on the organization. And they're out there, Carlos. This idea of a consultant coming in and has all the, the answers and all that. I don't know. I've done not nearly as many of these as Moira has, but a bunch of them to know that the answers come from talking with the people, sure. whether it's they're in IT or they're the people doing the actual work. It's the executive team. It's all of that together that that shapes that. And so if I'm boiling down your question, how to have an IT or a technology champion that's already in the organization be able to do those things and not need maybe a consultant or have that checkup by the consultant go, ah, you're fine, don't worry about us, you don't need us, there's nothing for us to do. To have that person, it's trust. It really is trust. And it's not that all of those people in the staff trust a consultant coming in. They don't know me half the time, right? They don't know Moira until we get to know them and all that. But it's they can suspend their trust because it's not going to cost them their job if they say the wrong thing, right? They're not going to be attributed to. Where telling the same story to the IT leader that, hey, your team is not giving me what I want, that could be contentious in a way that, you know, Maybe it should be good creative abrasion within their organization, but it's often not, right? So they're out there. They're, they're the people who are, are really good about doing exactly what Moira said. I'll tell one quick story. I had a gentleman work for me at the same association that Moira came and did that work. And he often called himself the IT bartender because what he did was he spent his time going around and he spent so much time to talking about people and say exactly what Moira said, show me what you're doing here or why does this not work right? Or why are you having this problem? And then he just got into those one-to-one -one conversations. And the unfortunate thing at the end of the day was when he would try to bring that back to leadership and put it together, beautiful, great intention that this gentleman had, he just didn't have the capability to level it up. And maybe that's where sometimes the consultants can come in and work and say, well, let me, you've got all this great story and this is exactly the bulk of what we need. Let me help you level that up so that we can talk to the executives about how to do that stuff. And I just want to be perfectly clear. These questions do not stem from my organization, right? My boss, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, they do not stem from that. But I, I've heard other, you know, association technology leaders and I've seen it. So I just want to make sure I'm clear that this is not coming from my organization. But it, <laughs> it, it almost sounds like we talked about user experience. Now we're talking about staff experience. And you talk about being an IT bartender. What you're really talking about is building relationships with your staff and cultivating that. And so, again, I, we, we talk about siloed departments and not really talking to each other. What I can say in terms of a direct correlation for my organization had you know, my current systems administrator come in and do exactly that. And at first I said, is that a good use of your time? But 12 months later, having spent that time to learn the pain points of the staff and build those relationships, we've totally, I'm not saying a 360, but we've done a 180 and I think we've been able to do some, some pretty cool things. Excellent. How are, in your experience, again, your, keep your consultant head on, how are organizations innovating? Is that something that they talk about? Is that something that they're actually doing? Or is that something that they just go to a conference and say, others are doing that, we're not ready for that yet. So just wanted to see if we can talk about that a little bit. I think the ones that are doing it the best are not thinking about the tools, but they're thinking about how to do cool things with the tools they already have. One of the things I think that has happened in our space is that because they've heard the message that we need to be good at this and good at that and good at the other, they've bought a tool for each thing. They've So they've, they've ended up with quite a suite of tools and they're still perhaps having difficulty getting it all to work together, particularly in the smaller association side. So when we've seen even very small organizations do innovative things, First, they think, what is it I'm trying to do? What would really make an impact? Now, what have I got 
that could do that for me. And they try and use what they already have to deliver an amazing digital experience. And then if, if, if they don't have something, they will find it out on the Internet. They're they're willing to scavenge. They're willing to try things. But the creative thinking comes first. Yes. Yeah. And I think, Carlos, you and I were sitting very close to each other when we heard this closing speech at last week in Chicago at the holiday, holiday showcase. showcase. It was it's that thinking of not what am I trying to solve, but am I am I even asking myself the right question? Right. It's not the technology that's important. It's not the process is what we're trying to solve is the goal being important. And so I think there are organizations I heard. Um, I heard a medical organization while I was at that conference talk about artificial intelligence, right? It's on everybody's mind. Everybody's hearing about it. It's all over the place. And one of the innovative things, and I would call this innovative, is that all the way up to the top, the CEO was giving this presentation and he said, I have basically opened the floodgates with my staff to try everything. We are looking for solutions for things that they go out and try four or five things. I love that. We're not going to have four or five different ones. We're not going to have each department doing their own thing, but I want them all to try and bring their experience and what they learn back. That's the start, right? It's the education. It's understanding what this can do. That to me is innovation or how innovation can get done because they're asking themselves, how can I do this differently? How can I solve a problem or figure out that I'm solving something that's a different problem, but how do we take the action? And I, I'm going to keep coming back to that, I think, in pretty much everything I say. It's time to take action on this stuff. And that can be small, and you don't have to be a $50 million nonprofit. You can be a $1 million and find things that you can try. My favorite one to tell people is, have you ever done your own writing and then turned on Grammarly. Get yourself a, whatever that is, $15 a month, $10. That's AI also. And just start analyzing your own writing or the writing that your marketing team is doing for your association. Plug that stuff into Grammarly. And just for the basics of the English language, <laughs> the precision <laughs> instrument that is the English language, how are we using that? And there's an application for AI. So I think... I think a lot of them are out there in small and large ways. I probably would be hesitant to pick on anything that I've seen that's so cool and so innovative that they're way ahead of everybody else, but that, that folks are doing stuff is very important, I think. So more same question, but maybe a different twist on it. How are organizations innovating? And you know, if you say that you have some examples of organizations that are innovating, how much of a mindset shift is that? in terms of innovating versus this is the way that we do it. And that's what we're used to. I was thinking about last year within AWTC, we had two award winners from the same organization. Uh, the organization was a council on, on undergraduate research. So one was technology leadership, which was Lindsay Curry, because as the executive director, even though it's a tiny organization, fully remote, I'm gonna say less than 10 people or in that ballpark, She's always encouraging it to think about different ways of doing things. And so one of the great things they did was they held early in the pandemic a wonderfully innovative online event. We were all struggling to go virtual, but they really thought about what their members needed and had some very specific elements. What was fascinating about that, so Heather, who was their, I think, senior director of program strategy, so she coordinated this new online event. What was fascinating was they did it on a higher logic platform. So they didn't, you know, they didn't have anything very special, but they, in terms of the technology, but the way that they got it kind of developed, they found somebody to develop it a bit for them. And then the way that they presented it had some just some really special elements around the ways that the members interacted and, and spoke to them. So it had a big impact particularly in, in a pandemic situation. So it's totally about mindset. And for me, technology always comes back to the people. And that's that design thinking. What are they experiencing out there? What is it that they really want? And we learned yesterday, like at Amazon, 
Jeff Bezos said that the customer is always perfectly, wonderfully dissatisfied, even when they tell you in a survey that they're very happy and things are fine. We all experience dissatisfaction in some way or another in our lives. And so what are the things to be constantly thinking? And as you go to those meetings and you have lunches with people, what are the things they're telling you? And what are the things you know because you're keeping your mind open for new ways of doing things? And what can be a synergy out of that? I think that's the innovative organization where they're looking for those opportunities. Sure. I, I In terms of you know, customers always wanting more, or there's a level of dissatisfaction. Um, you know, put a digital product in front of me, and I'll say, "Well, that's cool, right?" But if, can you do this? And so you see that in associations as well. So it can always be better, right? So I understand that. You know, there's always going to be that certain level of dissatisfaction. Some of these questions have kind of been leading, you know, to the question and topic of AI, right? Artificial intelligence, generative AI. Keeping, again, your consultant hats on, how are organizations approaching AI in general? Is it not for me? Are they, you know, this is the end of the world and, you know, robots are going to take over or I don't want to do it. I don't want to make investments in, in it yet. I want others to kind of try it out, early adopters, and see how that shakes out. What are you seeing in maybe from some of your clients or just conversations in general? I'm seeing that they're trying bits and pieces, which I think is actually exactly right, because this is such a big elephant to eat. One should just take a few experimental nibbles. And so to me, it is an experimental approach that is successful with something like AI. And, and you sit there, and you go, I wonder if I put in all of this information, what I'll get out. I wonder if Copilot is open to an organization our size yet. I wonder if there's an image generator that could capture this thing, this thought I have in my mind. If you can start with, I wonder if, and just try it, I think that approach is wonderful. I think as organizations, we have to have a few guidelines so as not to expose data that we don't want exposed, not introduce bias that we don't want to introduce by mistake, not perhaps do something that later on we want to put our copyright on it and it's not really our own intellectual property or that's not defensible. If our members go, did you use AI for that? And we go, yes, you know, that, that's okay because, you know, we were like, well, yes, we did in this way and, and they go, okay, fair enough. So I think we, we want to be a little thoughtful about what are the questions we ask ourselves? That's what we've done in our companies. What are the questions we ask ourselves before we use it? And then within that very general loose framework, let's experiment the heck out of this. And that's what we do see people doing is dabbling in it. Yeah, same, Carlos. It's that mentality of, okay, it's out there. Education, we got to start there, right? We've got to understand what this is and what it might be and what it could do for us. And of course, what others are getting out ahead of, and if you want to call them early adopters, what what successes are they having? Because as we all know, you hear about one person's success, you start to think about, well, how can I apply what they learned to what I do? And you know, maybe there's some success for me as well. I think Moira is absolutely right. And this is probably the part that I'm starting to talk about with clients, you know, that we have at UDIG and when we're talking about AI, it's make sure you understand what you're going to ask it first, right? Or what you want to do with it. Don't just say, well, AI is out there. You know, I need some AI. <laughs> and in some cases, they probably already have it. I mean, I, I, I tell this to people all the time. It's like, how long has Google been using some form of large language models and the the sticks and stones the the building blocks of what we're now calling AI they've been using it for years in our in our search engines and all that right so or grammarly like the example earlier it's there it's been there but i think it's a good opportunity for us to keep learning i am with moira that the learning curve is coming to the point of now let's start playing with it let's start testing things let's start trying to figure out while you're doing that of all those things that are out there. I think folks need to be having good, solid, truly partner conversations with the vendors and the technologies that they already employ and get that question into them. What are you doing with AI? What can I expect that is gonna happen with my 
you know, system that I'm in a four year or whatever contract with you, um, what can I expect? What, what will help me? What are you working on? What are you seeing in other places that could help us be a better organization? And all we have to really do is understand how to utilize that in the tools that we already have and already pay for, because I am, I am very confident that at least in the association space, there's probably very few, they're very, you know, bleeding edge early adopters who are actually going out there shopping for an AI thing, right? I yep. need to figure out how in the world I can bring a chat GPT, blah, 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 to my association right now. And I've got $100,000 in the budget ready to go. No, more of them are like, where is that going to fit in the technology that I'm already utilizing? And then how can I utilize, how can I take advantage of that to make things better, smarter, faster in our organization? So I really don't, except for that one CEO who talked about letting his people just kind of go crazy with it, with guardrails. Moira's right. You know, it's not the Wild West out there, <laughs> but the the guardrails to protect ourselves, I think it's a good opportunity for people to to both learn and understand on their way to, you know, picking things as it were. Can organizations or technology leaders sit this one out, sit on the sidelines and just watch it go by and then hope to catch up later on? Two-part question. The second thing is, at some point in the future, maybe near future, you're going to start to see some of the tools that we already use, probably AMSs, incorporate some sort of AI, generative AI in our AMSs. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that. First question, can organizations afford to sit on the sidelines? And watch well, it go by. Let me jump in real quick and just say this. I had a conversation not long ago with the CEO who basically said that, uh, gentleman, he said, my, and I'll just say technology champion, the head of technology there is doing exactly that. They're sitting on the sidelines and that frightens him. That they're not inquisitive enough to be involved in that and to be bringing to him just thoughts, right? He's not expecting that person to bring him a complete solution for their, I think it's like a 10 or $12 million association. I don't want, I don't want solutions right now. What I want is to know that the person that is watching over our technology is inquisitive about it, right? That's the, the innovative part. That's what drives the innovative. It's inquisitive. What can we do with this and paying attention enough? He has no intention to be doing that stuff tomorrow. But when the when the day does come, he wants to make sure that he is informed by the person or persons that he trusts. And back to that trust word. Sure. I was at Association Trends had an AI day last month as part of some events they had going on. And I heard a really good insight there, which was that AI is not going to put a doctor or a consultant or an association out of business. But doctors or consultants or associations with AI will put the other doctors and consultants and associations out of business. So it's going to become such a standard tool to elevate your game that to not have it will just leave you lagging very far behind. So I think we have to be adopting that experimental mindset now just to get comfortable with what the possibilities are. And I do think it's going to be commoditized. We, you know, the second part of your question is we're going to see it in the AMSs. We are seeing it now, particularly yes. those based on Microsoft are coming out with kind of co-pilot elements or if they're even on the .NET framework, they're coming out with AI elements. So we are seeing it come out. And I think a lot of associations will wait to fully adopt it until it is productized, commoditized in that way. And as stewards of our members' money, that's not a bad approach to take, but we still need to be ready to adopt it and not to fight against it. Absolutely. I think curiosity, right, is key there, Todd, as you mentioned. Um, so, you know, maybe organizations should make investments in that education piece and maybe educate your organization leaders first. I think there has to be a combination of educating your leadership, right? Because they're closer to the strategic goals of the organization, but you also have your people that have boots on the ground that are closer to the customer. And so I think a, a combination of both really need to be talking to each other. 
or with each other about some of these things. And I think that's where you start to tease out some maybe more nuanced ways to address a business goal. We know we talk about here's the tool. What problem can I solve versus what's the problem? What tool should I use for that? So I think that's some insightful information. Thank you for that. And I want you to ask you to put your tech council hat on if you can. So off with the tiara. I want to see what that one looks like, Omoira. <laughs> Do you have one over there? <laughs> yes, she's reaching for something. Okay. The magic. I don't wand. have a hat, but how about a tech council wand that'll just that, I'll just wave this. That will work. Magic it into into existence. So I want to talk about your service on the tech council. And I want to ask, why do you think it's important for association professionals, you know, to volunteer their valuable time serving on an ASA committee and, and specifically the Tech Council? Going on to the Tech Council was one of the transformative experiences of my career in this consulting role because I got to meet so many people in the association tech community, both through the council and then by going to conferences or going to events where we reached out to the broader community. And it simply opened my eyes to what was out there, to all the different people, experiences, skills, insights. I didn't quite get that. I was operating in my own lane as just kind of a member. And it was only when I started to volunteer my time that I really understood that wider community. So I think for that mind broadening experience, if nothing else, that's huge reason to volunteer. Todd? My view is very much along the line of when I started working inside, I was consulting to the association space and then I took a staff job. And one of the things that the staff job that I didn't get, I didn't have exposure to, I hadn't done it, was that these people are lining up and signing up and in cases paying their money and showing up to serve. And as association professionals, one of the things I say this all the time, it is my pleasure. It's not always fun, but it's my pleasure to serve those who serve, right? And so I didn't have this mindset of that service part of you had a job, I get paid for it, I do these things. And man, sometimes these members are crazy. What are the things that they're asking for? But if you take and you go and you volunteer and you serve, now you're those crazy people, right? And as three people sitting around this, you know, these microphones right now, as chair of a council within our preferred association to be a part of, we know sometimes it's hard, it's frustrating, it's it's a difficult thing. So it was an education for me but it was also that opportunity to be a part of that group and, and understand more fully what it is we do as staff members working in associations and, and doing that. And I think, you know, and some people, <laughs> I don't know where we'll post this, but wherever it goes, people might write in. I think it helped me when I got into an association where I was asked to be a liaison to a council within my association that I was a staff member for. And now I had to kind of once a month or, you know, how many ever hours a month, I had to change that mentality from I'm the crazy, I'm listening to the crazy members wanting me as a staffer to do something to being their liaison to get that crazy stuff done within the organization. So, sorry, that was probably longer than it should be, but the, the important part of serving on a council or serving anything, right? Being a volunteer is, you signed up to be a part of this thing, whatever it is, your profession, your your trade association, whatever it is. You signed up and you keep asking, what do I get out of this? Well, part of that is showing up and, and volunteering. You will get something out of it. Moira gave hers. I gave mine. I'm sure, Carlos, yours is similar or maybe even completely different. But the long story short is part of that whole experience and what you can answer that question with, what do I get out of this? You will find when you go and volunteer to be a part of something. I couldn't agree with both of you more, right? I think we learn from others, and I think that's a huge reason why we go to these, you know, association conferences, right? To have conversations, to see what others are doing, and to learn from them. Me personally, I feel like I I get more than I give. It's almost like college courses to some extent. You know, you 
and and listening to professors, right? You hear what other association technology leaders are doing at their organizations, and and that's inspirational. And so again, I I thought I knew it all, right? I'm just in my own lane, but you have you're you're, you're exposed to other leaders, and and you kind of see the different things that they're doing, and they could tell you this. I tried this, this didn't work, so I've gone down that road, and so I've been able to benefit, you know, tremendously from that. Last question. Looking back, what do you cherish most about your time serving on the Tech Council and then as the chair of the Tech Council? It's kind of hard to pick, though, because first of all, it's the things that we got done and we tried things. I mean, Carlos, you're doing a podcast. We tried to have a book club on Collaborate. We would have discussions. We had mentoring. We had we had interns from bike back going out to members like we just we tried so many great things and i loved that chance to try things within our community and i just really love the people that i met during that time and who have introduced me to other people like you you know like like there's this legacy in some ways and i get to be connected still and it's that feeling of connection I mean, that's what we want when we join a, an association. When we're a member, we don't want to be a checkbook member, or I don't, I, just sending in my dues. I want to feel a part of it. And being on the Tech Council and having a chance to lead it for a year and try different things, just amazing. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I got out of being on the Tech Council is obviously the relationships. It is both rewarding and frustrating to be on a council. And, and I'm saying this in any association, right? Any membership thing, because this group of people, 20, 25 people come together and everybody has these great ideas and a great leader can help, you know, solidify or at least bring it from 20 different ideas to five, right? And you can start to work on these things. And, and Moira's time as the, I was on the council when Moira was leadership there. And we did, we did a bunch of great stuff. And it's it's this cool thing to do it, but it's also, you know, you feel like you're fighting to get these things done because you have all these great ideas. And if we could just move the needle a little bit further, we could have such great outcomes from it. Certainly you learn to work with different people. And one of the things that I like a lot about the technology section council, as we used to call it, or TPAC now, is it's not just all association staffers, right? There is that mixture of consulting and vendors and people from big companies, small organizations. We've got this cool mix within the council that I think gives that opportunity, uh, as you said, Carlos, to learn, um, but to teach too, right? To, to educate and, and help other people understand. One of the things that I really remember, and it goes networking and learning something, was getting to meet Christina Llewellyn, who is like the champion of small staff associations. But man, if you spend a little time with that nice lady, you will walk away rethinking everything you thought about trying to get technology done in any association because it is different, right? We know that now, but that education, but I would have never probably met her if I, if I wasn't on the council and knew Catherine and, you know, you can go down that eight degrees of people, right? So I think it all becomes both education and the networking. And, and my favorite part of being on the leadership of the council in all of those positions was getting to work with just fantastic people at a different level within the council. It's a smaller group. There's great conversations. I really enjoyed that. And, you know, I'll tell you, since you, since you kicked me off of it, Carlos, I really have missed it. <laughs> and there's no reason why you can't come back in a few years. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, I, I, I will say that, you know, leading the tech council has its challenges, but I also think that, you know, the people that serve on the council, you know, they're the ones that can help you get stuff done. Uh, and having a an excellent vice chair in, in Mr. Justin Berniski, I think that helps. I think the relationship of the chair and the vice chair is critical, right, to do, to wanting to do anything and to be able to operationalize some of these awesome ideas that you know we always have. So, you know, again, I know it's a it's a commitment. You probably have served a minimum of five years on the tech council, if not six years, and Todd, in your case, maybe even seven years. So it's a long-term commitment. And and again, I I 
from where I'm sitting, we're all sitting in chairs. You know, I salute you for your for your dedication and for your service. There's a lot of things that I'm introducing now and they're like, well, hang on one second. We've already done or talked about some of those things. Right. And so Moira, I will be connecting with you. There's a lot of things that, you know, I'm like, hey, what if we try this? And Reggie's like, we've already done that. We've done something similar. So have a conversation with Moira and see how you can connect the dots. You know, similar, uh, Todd, there's some things that you've, you know, brought forth in terms of the tech council. There's leadership styles that you've introduced. And I've heard people say like, hey, you're bringing back, you know, some of Todd's leadership style, right? So again, we're all connected. You did know, they being... finish that sentence with stop it? No, they did not. <laughs> uh, actually, they encouraged me to do a little bit more of that. I paid so... them highly. <laughs> again, I, I just want to, it's a sense of gratitude you know, for giving me the opportunity, but it's also a sense of gratitude from, you know, association, the community in general, for you taking on that leadership role and contributing and expressing your ideas and creativity. So, you know, I just want to thank you again. This concludes the Association Tech Insider podcast. I really appreciate your time. I know you guys are very, very busy. I'd love to do it again. You know, in some capacity, as you said, Moira, there's always a connection and a legacy of being connected with Tech Council uh, community. So, uh, you know, don't be surprised if I tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, we need your help. Would love to be of service and involved. Yeah. So last thing is for our listeners and maybe if they want to reach out and, and find out a little bit more about your service on the Tech Council, how can they reach you? The best thing is to Google our company name because I used to do that and figuring out how do you spell Ellipsis Partners? There's too many L's <laughs> and, and S's in there, but mEdwards at ellipsispartners.com would be the best way to reach me. I would love to hear from anyone who wanted to just have a conversation. I love talking association stuff. Yeah. LinkedIn is a great way. Todd M. Talbert, M is in Michael on LinkedIn or Todd.Talbert at udig.com to reach me directly. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to the Association Tech Insider Podcast, presented by the ASAE Technology Professionals Advisory Council. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.